we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we're going to be talking about pricing on Starbucks, or pricing at Starbucks, sorry. Ed, I was tempted at reading, marinating in this all morning to run to Starbucks, I well, I, I I actually did. I, I did. And it, it's going to be on my expense report next week because technically this is that was actually is research. It is. It is. Right? Yeah. So, just... I mean, I, I think I think I think we can take most of the Starbucks that we bought in the last couple of months since we've been thinking about doing this episode as business expenses, <laughs> legitimate business expenses. It also just proves that the, the more you look at something or are reminded of something, the, it just it just plants this desire in you to have it. It's oh really, right, it's, right, right. It's just right. really weird, you know. Yeah. yeah, no, which is one of the one of the points that the article brings forth. But we'll t- we'll talk more about that. And and by the way, Ron, as you know, but our audience does not. I'm I'm on PTO from my my full time job at Sage this week. Mm-hmm. But there is no PTO for the Souls of Enterprise. <laughs> no, there's not. PTO. Nope, not at all. Can't you'll you'll do the show from Spain? That's right. I've done the show from Spain. I did it from London once. So yeah, yeah no, there's no PTO, and that's that's late at night. Yeah, I know. Oh, uh, although I do have a United Arab Emirates coming up, so we're gonna have to figure that one out. But uh, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be on a plane for that, so we'll have to perhaps do a pre-record. But yeah. hopefully, yeah, it's not a 737 Max. It well, so here's the deal: the one 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 leg of that flight from Chicago back to Dallas it was is definitely on a max mm-hmm. because I couldn't get a seat assignment. So, <laughs> well, I just got a, a email from American Airlines talking about how they're you know they're working full time on this and with Boeing to solve this problem. I'm sure it's going to get fixed. Yeah. Not, yeah. We'll talk it. more about that on the bonus episode, yeah. by the way. Yeah, so th- yeah. those of you who want to hear the inside scoop, Ron and I like to talk about all things airlines on the bonus episode on the Patreon site. So you need to go out to patreon.com slash TSOE to pick up the bonus episodes. It's a whopping $7 a month. So we really want you to do that. So Ed, I know you were in uh, New Orleans because I saw you post from the World War II Museum. I just wanted to ask you, what'd you think? Oh my gosh. Well, the last time I had been there it was the D-Day Museum. Mm-hmm. And now it's the World War II Museum. Have you been since it's the World War II Museum? Yes. Yeah. Oh I, my. It's like now Disneyland for World War II. That's kind of a bad analogy, but it's multiple buildings. There's, it, 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 you know, we went there with, with my son, who's a kind of a history buff taken after his mom and dad a little bit, but, and we were just thinking, all right, three hours and we're done. Oh no. Oh, no, no, no. We could have been there three days. Yeah, yeah. It's really well done. I was blown away. I, I, I like the whole train thing where you get the soldier and then you kind of follow your soldier through the the war, and it was great. Yeah, no, fantastic. And uh, did you see the Tom Hanks movie? Yes. 4D? 
Yes. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Yep. Yep. No, they I, I they did a great job. Isn't that part of the Smithsonian? I think there's Ah, uh, you know, I didn't notice there. There might be a connection there, but I will say this, getting back to today's topic, their pricing is really interesting. All of those museums pricing is really interesting, especially like basically a membership is slightly more than two visits. Right. Right. Yeah. That seems to be like the standard. Yeah. Right. So an annual membership is about 2.2. This is my completely unscientific (laughs) quick math. (laughs) And that's, and that's at multiple museums that I've been to. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. seems to be the way that they go about it. So I wonder if there's some lessons in there, but that's not the subject of today's show. No, we're going to talk about pricing at Starbucks, and it's based upon this guy's article. Uh, I guess it's his blog, isn't it? Kent uh, Kent Hendricks. Hendricks. Yep. Yep. From March twentieth, two thousand eighteen, and I don't know his background except I was reading another article where he does mention he was like in a company somewhere having a discussion on pricing with the you know the C suite. So I, I guess. I, do you know what he does? Is he a consultant or? Yeah, you know what? I never tracked that down. I uh, me neither. Me yep. neither. No. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. For no, it doesn't matter. He wrote a heck of an article. He did. He, he and the title of the article is "The Six Psychological Tactic Tactics Behind the Starbucks Menu," and the first thing he points out is, um, you know, the the menu design or or in the field. The field is actually known as menu engineering. Right, and and I think the pioneers in this, if I remember right, are are at Princeton, <laughs> because I think there's a there's a unit there that does this, or has at least studied a lot. Maybe it's part of the hospitality industry degree they have. I'm not sure, but um, it, it, isn't it a derivation of choice architecture too? It, oh, absolutely. Right. <clears throat> it uh, absolutely and and um, nudging and behavioral economics and all that and psychology. All yeah. of that. So, I mean, lots of different places work on it. And he's got this, this article, which is, I don't know, 20 some odd pages. It's it's a long article and it's documented with footnotes. Yeah, no, no, no. And he, he goes into a lot of detail on some stuff and has even started to, to change my mind around charm pricing, which I know is one of the aspects of this that we'll get to. But, you know, I, I think how this relates, just in case some people are wondering, well, are you guys su- suggesting that they do, that we develop a menu of services? And I, I think the answer to that is probably no, although we have helped a lot of people move into value-based pricing by first starting with menu-type prices, right? And sure. we do think that a menu price is a can be a form of value-based pricing, but you can also do menu pricing based on cost too, <clears throat> right? Sure. So, but menu pricing really is just where you have this published menu as, as Starbucks does, has a published menu, and, but where a firm may not ever choose to do that. Right, right? because true value pricing, at least in the context that we use it, and especially for professional firms, is where you're pricing the customer, not the service. Menu pricing is more like Starbucks or McDonald's. You, you, you and I are going to pay the same thing for a latte, and that well, may that may not be the same thing. In- but but that's not necessarily true. And I want that's one of the things that I wanted to point out. And this article is pretty explicit about that. It's it's straight up up there. While the menu is the same, meaning the drinks that are on it are the same, the prices are definitely different. Oh, 
Yeah, no, across locations and across countries locations yeah, and, and regions. Yeah, right. I, I was saying I, I should have been more specific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were if you were and I if you or I and I are in the same Starbucks. Correct. And I come up behind you. I'm going to pay the same thing you did for if I buy the same drink. Heck That's yeah. What, yeah. So and with value pricing, we're trying to price the customer because of that value conversation. So, but right. and and they are too because of the fact that they do change the menu based on location. Absolutely. They're, they're pricing it based on segments and other, you know, wider uh, demographic, psychographic information, price sensitivity information, uh, rather than analyzing one customer, they're analyzing the, you know, the boundary. Right. The <laughs> right. Group. You know, people uh, yeah. at an airport, people, people near downtown areas, people near college campuses, right? That kind of right. thing. Right. And, and, you know, the um, gasoline companies do the same thing. It's called zone pricing. So various regions, you probably noticed this where you are and, and maybe when you go to Dallas, I don't know which one has more expensive gas, but that's, that's called zone pricing. And they're trying also to, to look at all that demographic information, income of the, you know, the neighborhoods and all that type of thing. Yep. Sure. So, so. but, I, but I, the important point is, is that, yeah, while this is about the Starbucks menu, I think there's lessons in what we just talked about that it's not true quote menu pricing because they are trying to pr to price the customer by using the zone pricing uh, uh, and those types of techniques as well. Sure. And, and he lays out these six psychological factors and we've talked about some of them before, uh, but it was just really interesting. And I mean, I, you know, I go into Starbucks or you drive up to a Starbucks. I've never really sat and looked and tried to analyze the menu in any great detail, but this article really did that. And uh, I, I found that to be kind of interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have though, Ron, I'm, I'm, I get crazy like this. I, I, I've sat for 10 minutes just staring at a Starbucks staring menu. At the menu. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 know, I, I definitely noticed the flat white thing where they only give one price. Right. <laughs> yeah. like one size. And, and I knew about the short, you know, mm -hmm. they pulled the short off the menu, which he points out in this article happened like in the mid 1990s. And yet it's still available. Mm -hmm. You just have to ask for it. Yep. Yep. And I've got a reference on that too. Um, the, the, an article that, you know, <laughs> it's actually funny when you do order a short, I don't know if by, by, uh, Tim Harford. Um, and this was back in 2006 cause after the, they made the adjustment, but you know, the, notice if, if you, if they don't call out your drink quite as loudly, if you order a short, right. right. Like, you know, you know, usually it's like, okay, I got a latte, a grande latte for Ed. Well, if you order a short, it's like, I got a short for Ed. For Ed. Short for Ed. Yeah. They don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah. They don't want that to get out. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ed, your cheapskate. <laughs> well, it's a properly made cappuccino, quite yes, frankly, yes, or absolutely. a more properly made cappuccino. It's not even, you know, properly made, still too much, still too much milk in it, as far as our friends down in Australia would, would be concerned. And I would tend to agree with them, but you know, it's better. Uh, well, we have one friend in Australia who's not even going to listen to this show. <laughs> He doesn't think Starbucks is a coffee distributor. He thinks it's a milk distributor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> He's kind of got a point. Yeah, he does have a point. He does have a point. That's why you have to, you know, order that triple, triple shot venti 
whatever. I can say who it is. It's John Chisholm. Yeah, no, no who's he's organizing fine. our uh, Verisage <laughs> Down Under this year. So, and we're, I can promise you, we won't be going to any Starbucks. No, that's for sure. Hey, you know, producer Josh just chimed in. He's not wrong. So, producer <laughs> Josh just agrees with him. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Australia does have some of the best coffee I've ever had. Clearly, clearly yeah. good stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, and it, it well made. Yeah, it, it's an art form down there. They really elevated it, I think. Well, as as they have, I, I've not been to Italy, but I hear in Italy and in places in Europe that, that it's it's significantly better. And the, the the coffee in France was pretty darn good when I was there. Yeah, yeah, Italy and France definitely good for yeah. sure. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there, there is a, there is some talk in here about the charm pricing, you know, the 99 or 95 cent ending. And of course, Starbucks ends in 95 cents, but, and there's a link that he, that Kent Hendricks wrote to a longer article about 99 cent pricing, which I bet you read too. And maybe that's what you're referring to when you say that he changed your mind a little bit and definitely want to talk about that because I read that as well and he hasn't changed my mind on it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you were up against our first break, though, Ron. And I want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website, thesoulofenterprise.com, where we have show notes, previews to upcoming shows, as well as our calendar of events, which has been recently updated. So if you do go to the Soul of Enterprise, click on the calendar across the top, you'll see where Ron and I will be appearing live in various places throughout the country, including a day and a half long session on subscription based pricing that we are doing in Chicago on April 30th and May 1st. And if you want to be a part of that, that is in fact open to the public. It's not part of any, well, it is part of a conference, but the conference uh, founders have decided that they will open that event up to people who are not necessarily in their group. So if you do want to come by and see Ron and myself in Chicago, please uh, send us an email and we'll, we'll be sure to get you the information on that. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You. 
You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about pricing at Starbucks based upon an article by Kent Hendricks from March 20th, 2018, the six psychological tactics behind the Starbucks menu. And Ed, let's just dive into the first one, uh, which was pretty neat. He says, why you like the drinks at the center of the menu? What caught your eye about this? Well, you know, it was interesting because he, he the, and I'm going to mention the second one because the second one is why you're most likely to select the grande size, mm-hmm. right? And, Which is and middle, th- right? <clears throat> and I think grande these, vente, yes, right. Yeah. And I think the, these are these are definitely related to one another. So it, he 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 does parse them out as 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 two different things. So what he means by the center of the menu is is this the stuff that's in usually it's what like three or four panels. Yeah, I right. So mar three. Yep. And and what what they say is you're more likely to look at what what's ever in the center of of the menu, right? And then even the center of that menu. And then we he goes on and and he mentions all of this research on other stuff. And of course, the most intriguing one I thought was that sixty percent of people choose the middle stalls in the bathroom, which I thought <laughs> I highlighted the same thing. Yeah, it's like that. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> And who did that research? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's a governmental body somewhere. <laughs> your tax dollars at work. It is footnoted, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so we could we could take a look at that. But uh, and then then the, there was this there's some stuff that you and I have seen. I think I've seen the toothbrush one. And then every every college student knows that that uh, if you're given a, a multiple choice test, you always if you're an unsure, you always pick the middle B or C. The middle. Right. Right. <laughs> right? And where it's 55% chance is a 5%, you know, greater, well, actually 10% because it's 45 on the outside. So I, I, you know, I think, I think that that's interesting. And, but, you know, I, I, what I want, I am really intrigued by is the, the, the source that he, on, on, uh, shrining in the center, which was done about the likelihood of looking at stuff in the middle for the first and final five seconds of your gaze. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was just fascinating that like it's as high as 80% in the first second and a half, uh, that you're, you're, and and the last second that the last thing you're going to look at and where the first thing you're going to look at and the last thing you're going to look at are this, the second. And of course that just then becomes a reinforcing loop that you're more likely to pick something in the middle. Right. And and I also thought it was interesting. That it takes fifty milliseconds for something to register above, you know, consciousness. Right. Right. And so you 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 look at the center, and you're actually making a decision maybe before you even realize it. Right. Once once you pass that point, and of course the the psychological effect or tactic I, I like to call them effects is called the center stage effect. That we're just drawn to the center of the stage, and that kind of makes some sense. So then the question I have for you, Ron, is on, on this, is if you're putting together a proposal, right, should we have a, a proposal document that has something akin to the, the Starbucks triform, this, you know, the, 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 the three, uh, uh, even a foldout, right, just to mm-hmm. reinforce that middle stuff? And should you put it, it, and then say you're listing the things that you're going to accomplish for in a particular engagement, 
right? Should you make a con- uh, a conscious choice to put what you perceive to be the most valuable thing to that customer in the middle of the choices? Yeah. I, now that you say this, this is interesting. Are you talking about like their three panels? Yep. Um, that maybe one panel would be outcomes and another might be outputs. And yeah, could, could the, that could very well be. Yeah. Could, no, all of those things, right? All of those things. Yeah. In um, fact, there was one, I think this was on the Verisage website. I'll try to look it up, but there was one, I don't know if you recall this, but there's one software company that put the most expensive choice in the middle, in the middle. on their page. Right. And that could be what they're kind of taking advantage of. And it's interesting, Ed, because this article and of course, and the Starbucks menu itself, which is interesting, is they actually present their lowest price first on on the left hand side, assuming your country reads from left to right like ours does, um, which is the opposite of what I teach. (laughs) I think you should lead with your most expensive. So we can have that discussion since it's another one of these effects. But um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm I'm just talking about forget about forget about the pricing at this point. I'm just just saying is when you're laying out the a, a proposal document, and you know we we both recommend that you try to make your proposal to be one one page, right? Right. Should, should we might want to begin to experiment with making it a trifold, right? Rather than a top to bottom eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper, mm-hmm. right? So flip it, make it landscape, and put the stuff that's important to the customer in the middle, whatever that happens to be. Because what, 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 I'm, what I'm trying to, to, the point that I'm trying to make here is that it's not necessarily about what price they pick at this point, because that's the second run, why, why you're more likely to choose the grande, right? right that right. that yep. middle one. I'm just talking about getting the stuff that is most important to the customer in front of the customer's eyes where they're going to look at it on a page. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, and I just wonder if there's any difference between looking at a proposal on paper or in PowerPoint or whatever, however, whatever medium you oh, put yeah. this in, versus a physical, you know, three-panel menu like a Starbucks. I just yeah, I, I would think that there would be, and and that's one of the things that I'm saying is that you know here's here's an here's an indication or here's a, a case where hey maybe it's best to do something on paper because I don't think presenting somebody three choices in three successive PowerPoints would have near the same effect. Right, right. No, I, I don't either. I do, I do like to put things in columnar format, and that also helps keeping it to one page mm-hmm. because you can usually do that. But I think what you're saying is even a little bit deeper than that because you're talking about splitting it up or at least taking even just in a one-page format the most important aspects of your services you know, the highest value outcomes, if you will, and put that in the center. Correct. Rather than, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's worth testing. I really do. Yep. Because I, you know, when I look at a proposal like that, I, I'm not sure when I'm reading paper or on a screen that I'm going right to the center first. I probably start from top to bottom, but that could just be me. I could be odd that way. I think you would go to top to bottom if it were portrait eight and a half by 11. But I think if you presented this as landscape, I mean, and think about this, like even if you're presenting this over, over a, a, uh, a webcast of some sort, right on zoom, right. Our tendency is to, is to show proposal documents and things like word, 
but perhaps that's not correct. But maybe, well, we could do it in Word, but but should should we take advantage of the fact that we can lay something out on a landscape format on a monitor, and even if we're sending it on paper, do it such su- such that if it's a landscape format with with you know boxes, I sure. think your eyes are going to be drawn toward the middle, Ron. Even yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be, could be for sure. You know, since I don't see much of that, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, it's definitely worth experimenting with. Yep. So that's the first effect. Why you like the drinks at the center of the menu? That's the center stage effect. The second is uh, why you're most likely to select the grande size. And what's he say about this, Ed? Because this is interesting. Well, it, it's it, yeah, because and this is stuff that we've all talked about. We we've we've known for years that most people are likely to pick the middle, whether you know it's at a car wash, right? Gold, silver, bronze. We just pick. Well, the middle just seems to be about right, right? But then he goes into some really interesting detail on the what he calls the two causes of the the compromise effect. I thought this was really interesting that, and I didn't, you know, I don't think that our brains were capable of doing this kind of mathematical calculation. But apparently he, he thinks that we, that this compromise effect is one of the reasons why you justify your choice for the middle. And, and, and it goes through, I think this is his, his, his rationale is, uh, I'll take the middle because it's a compromise. It's one of the combination of the two, and I'll settle for B. Those are like the, the four ways that you look at it that, that creates sort of an, I guess, an average in your mind, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And that convinces you, okay, well, this is, it's a compromise of some sort among yourself. Going back to something that one of our participants said a long time ago that you and I have, I think, repeated in almost every pricing conversation we've had, which is by creating choices, you're forced to compete with yourself. With yourself, right. And 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 what's interesting is he points out in the 1990s when they took, they had short, tall, grande on the menu. They right. pulled off short, took it off the menu and added a vente, which is even bigger than the the grande, mm-hmm. and then the the grande became the most popular. Right. Whereas in the before the nineteen nineties or the mid nineties, the tall, the one in the middle, was the. So it's not even it's not an absolute choice. It's a relative choice that our brains are making, relative to what's there. It's not like you go in and say, "Oh, I want twelve ounces of coffee or eight ounces or whatever." No, you're going to pick whatever that middle cup is, most likely. Right. No, you you just small, medium or large fries. Right. I mean, it's, you don't you say, well, how many ounces is that? Right. <laughs> and, and, and you know, he's trying to explain why when you give three choices, you're not you're not going to get a one third, you know, evenly distributed random sample. I mean, you, you know, a statistician would think, well, you're going to have one third, you know, the population picking, you know, that's going to be the outcome. But it doesn't work that way. And the first reason he gives is the desire to avoid loss, right? Right. That whole loss aversion and an extreme choice entails a loss. Either we're giving up money or we're giving up quantity or mm-hmm. quality in some cases. In Starbucks case, obviously it's quantity. Um, and the loss of quantity and or quality looms larger than the loss of money. And and this is what you saw in the famous example, and we've talked about this before, The Economist, that decoy middle option where you could subscribe and get mm-hmm. the print only for 125 or get the print and web version for 125 Well, the loss of version just makes you trade up. Why would I not trade up? Mm-hmm. And that and that's a strong thing. So um, th- that was really interesting. And then, of course, like you said, you you want to be able to justify your choice, rationalize your decision. 
And it's, it's almost, he points out, it's almost like, you know, we have two individuals making a decision and then, uh, you know, one individual is making the decision, another one's evaluating it. Right, right. And it's, and, and it's almost like we're, we're performing some sort of a, a mathematical calculation in our head to come up with the, the best deal. Right. We're right? Hedging, kind of hedging our bet. Uh-huh. Yep. Which the, I, the, I find interesting. Yeah. The more uncertainty in the decision, the more likely the middle. And I liked how he pointed out, like if I was buying a coffee for you and didn't really know your taste, I'm more likely to buy a grande and probably something in the middle of that, you know, <laughs> panel menu um, because I don't really know. And I'm going to probably be least likely wrong if I go for the middle. Right. It, Correct. We're yeah, we're kind of avoiding the extreme. So although I, although I know you well enough, Ron, that when we present together and I go get the coffee, I always get you the 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 venti and I get the grande, and I, right. that's then that's purely not because I don't want the venti as well. I just don't want to mix up our coffee in the middle of the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I know I could put an X on it or something like that, but it's just like he's okay. Where's my coffee? I just can look across the room. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, folks, we're up against our next break. I can't believe we're spending a whole show talking about pricing at Starbucks, Ed, but it's kind of fun. A lot of interesting it, uh, behavioral economic insights here. And folks, like to remind you, check out thesoulofenterprise.com. And if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, send us an email. We just got a couple of emails this morning, Ed, from uh, different listeners uh, to ask TSOE at verisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash U.S forward slash S-O-E. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. 
Welcome back, folks. We're talking about pricing at Starbucks. And Ed, just on that second effect, the compromise effect that we were talking about where yeah. you know, we're desiring to avoid the loss and we're also trying to rationalize or justify the choice we made. It just reminded me of the Wendy's you know, triple cheeseburger when the double wasn't uh, selling very well. You know, They mm-hmm. could have lowered the price of the double or increased the price of the single to get it closer to the double, but they added a triple. And that allowed us to say, well, look, I'm not a glutton. You know, mm-hmm. I only bought the double, but once they did that, the double started just to fly off the shelf. So, um, there's, there's, there's definitely something to this. I think this is where behavioral economics has really shed some incredible insight on how we make decisions. Yep. Yep. And so, and you know, again, this goes back, if you really think about it to the Sears catalog, right? And 1880s, good, better, best. So there, this, this, this was, it, it wasn't codified, but was well known for a long, long time. Right. So at the third effect he talks about is why looking at three columns of prices makes you spend more. What, <laughs> what caught your eye on this one? Yeah, well, you know, and we've actually done some experimentations with this similar. And of course, what caught my eye is, is the experiment that um, was it Tversky and Kahneman did, mm-hmm. which is spinning a wheel and then a, 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 on a random number between zero and 100 and then guess the number of African countries in the United Nations. And of course, if the anchor was 10, most people then said that there were 25 countries in the United Nations in Africa. And if the, if it was 65, there was the spin of the wheel, then people would say 45 countries. Now, what's interesting about this is that you and I have performed a similar version of this on, on when we've done our, our, some of our pricing workshops in that we give a picture of three different products on a, a, a sheet of paper and then we ask people, okay, what we want to just for an identifier, put in put in the last, or I think we say the middle two digits of your social security number. Right. Right. And then then we ask them to price the three products. And that has an anchoring effect as well, meaning whatever their their middle two numbers of their social security number, that will tend toward them. Ha- ha- having a higher price for the product that they are pricing, regardless of what they even know about the product. Which is just, just amazing because it. it's yeah. just, just random numbers. <laughs> yep. 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 And, so, you know, he, he, he talks about how we look at the center first, and that, of course, means the center price as well. Right. Uh-huh. And, and then second, we're going to look left. And then uh, so the center price is kind of the anchor which, uh, we, as we were talking at the break, you mentioned that ad that uh, one software company had put their most expensive package in the center. Mm-hmm. And that could have been what they were testing. Um, but I also found it interesting, Ed, that Starbucks in like Arabic countries where they read left to right, they have, they have not reversed the order. They still present the cheapest price on the left-hand side. Yep, which is really interesting because I guess that is just a natural eye shift. Yeah, right. I, it's it, it doesn't have anything to do with with how we read, but just an, our natural eye shift. Hmm. Well, he said he wasn't sure why. Yeah, but, I, well, but I'm just I'm speculating too. It's, it, you know, similar to I there was there was no difference. I think in Disney World, people tend regardless of country, regardless of of country of origin, when they come in, people come into Disney World and and they tend to go to the right. Yeah. Right. So. I, and I don't know if this still holds, but the you know, 
some of the behavioral research also said when you're when you don't when you're in an unfamiliar place and you don't know where you are, you're more likely to go to the right. Maybe maybe that has to do with you know the majority of us are are right-handed too. It could maybe be. that has to do with 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 brain dominance from a handedness perspective. Of course, you know if you're if you're right-handed, it also means you, means you're usually right-eyed as well. Yeah. Yeah. So your 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 right eye is the dominant eye. So. And I have to say, ever since I've tested that, and I don't know where I am, I, I tend to, I, you know, I re, I remember that and go, oh, I I should go to the left, and <laughs> it doesn't work all the time, but more times than not, it does work. It takes me to the right, you know, where I'm supposed to be or whatever. So I I don't know if there's something to that or not, but mm-hmm. <laughs> this is kind of where he uh, where he, uh, we'll talk about this uh, on some of his conclusions. But yeah, I thought that was. Um, that was really interesting. Lower price on the left first. So yep. that's the opposite of what uh, I've been doing um, with the coaching I've done. But um, it, it, it definitely works for Starbucks. Yep, for sure. All right. What's number four, Ron? All right. Number four is uh, how Starbucks uses the attraction effect to frame your choice between a grande and a vente. And I thought this was really interesting. And th- This, I don't think there's anything new or too novel in this, but, you know, he pointed out that dropping the venti price makes the tall undesirable. So it's that gap between the lowest price good and the middle needs to be more than the middle price to the high price. Okay, say that again slowly because that's really important. I know. The gap between the lowest priced cup of coffee and the middle needs to be greater than the gap between the middle price cup of coffee and the top price cup of coffee. So it makes it a no-brainer to trade up. Mm-hmm. And that's the attraction effect. Right. And I, I, I've kind of referred to this as nudging, but I guess it's really not. Well, maybe it is. Maybe there's an aspect to it. Right. Where if you want if you want to nudge somebody up or down, you can do that by by making the middle price closer uh, or farther away from either the top price or the bottom price. Right. And and this is kind of irrespective, Ed, of cost per ounce. Right. I mean, if you were Mr. Spock and you were sitting there, you know, dividing the, the cup of coffee divided by the number of ounces you get in each size and you could figure out a cost per ounce and then maybe get the best deal. But even you know, he's talking about even if that was equal, people would still be probably attracted um, just based on the the spread between these the three prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but but I'll give you another economic reason for this is the <laughs> the marginal utility decreases. You know, your your last few ounces of a venti probably aren't as pleasurable as your first. Right. So this is why a seven day pass at Disneyland is cheaper than a one day pass. Right. Right. Because the more you buy the, the, you know, to entice you to buy more, they, they know that your seventh day is not going to be as valuable to you as your first or second day. They have to drop those marginal days. Same with Starbucks. They have to drop those marginal, um, ounces. Which is which leads to an interesting conversation because this is something that that oftentimes professional firms will talk about. It's like, well, if if they guarantee use of us for X number, should we give them a better 
price, which I, I guess is what we're talking about is all, this whole thing of this the marginal utility. And and my argument has been no, that we shouldn't because what most professional firms are offering isn't necessarily marginal utility. It's not like a ninth slice of pizza. Right. 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 Yeah. It's it, it, the the stuff that you're getting, you know, again, this gets to something that you and I talked about a lot, Tim Williams thoughts of magic versus logic, you know, offering the stuff that's the magic work on top of the logic do, doesn't make the, the, the magic work less valuable. It actually makes it more valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And, you know, this is the, 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 you know, big thing. And I, uh, uh who, uh, who was a recent guest, right. Who, who, uh, who, who said at some point, well, uh, oh, it was, it was a, a, a team, right? It, it said, well, you, we, 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 can, we, can, we can lower our price or we can do, we can do hourly pricing when, it, when it's a high value opportunity. <laughs> right, remember? right, yes. Right? And I was having and I, a heart and attack. I commended, and I commended you for not coming unglued on our guest because usually <laughs> when, <laughs> in presentations, usually kind of go ape on the person who says it. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, it's a good point. Because, and my, the point is, is that, that that that's not marginal utility. So we have to be careful of looking at this effect and misinterpreting it for professional firms. Right, and I think that's true with kind of all of this, Ed, especially with maybe charm pricing and all of that. I mean, I, I you know, this is this is great in a B two C market, but I think professional market, this is where there is a difference between some of these pricing. Uh, you know, effects and behavioral effects, but either way, it's, um, it's still interesting. No, nobody here, but us humans, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, right. I mean, the, the, the point, the point being is that the, these psychological ef- effects are going to have an influence over people. And then the question then becomes is, you know, is $3 and 25 cents. Can you relate that to something that's $3,250 or $325 million, right? D- does it, does it really make a difference? Right, right. And that, uh, yeah, and it, I'm not so much talking about the charm pricing as is what you were your point about the magic logic that there's no there's yeah. no marginal utility drop off mm-hmm. so much in a professional firm. So that's not a justification for offering a venti at a, s- a smaller price per ounce. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's the the attraction effect. And um, Ed, why don't we just set up before we go to a break, which I know we have to do, but the fifth effect, because this was really interesting, why the Starbucks menu doesn't include a dollar sign. And I know we've talked about this in terms of menu engineering. I've made this point before because it just reminds people of currency. But Kent took it a little farther and said, yeah, currency symbols get you to think about money, which is obvious, whether it's mm-hmm. the euro sign or the pound sign or whatever, and make you you know less likely to spend. Um, but, I, but I've also thought that there was a great difference here between semantics and salience and that's what we'll when we come back that's what we'll kind of explore when we get into this one but in the meantime folks check out our show notes at the soul of enterprise.com and we will post the link to the the uh, blog post that we're talking about here at starbucks and also to contact ed or myself send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com and please folks when you can jump out on over to iTunes and give the show a review. If you write a review, we will certainly read it on the air. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back to the fastest hour of the week. <laughs> no doubt. <clears throat> so time does speed up, Ron. I think when we do this show, it's just yes. it's just absolutely amazing to me how quickly things go go by. But we are on our last segment here, talking about the six psychological tactics behind Starbucks Menu by Kent Hendricks, and Ron and I would call these effects. Though, and before I get into this last one, Ron, I just want to deal with that thing. There's a fine line here in all of this stuff between tactics, manipulation, and effects, don't you think? There is. There is. Absolutely. And you got to be really careful about that. Yep. Yep. You got to really understand what you're doing with it because, and, and there's so many contradictories effects. Some of these effects work against one another. Mm-hmm. And and to know which one dominates is is really kind of tricky unless you're testing it. And what I like to tell people is, look, every especially when you're pricing the customer, and you're doing a you know three options, every time every customer is a random controlled trial. Every mm-hmm. one of them. Yep. Yep. So really? Ed, why no dollar signs? Yeah, so not just at Starbucks, but I I've noticed this a lot in like restaurants as well. Yeah, and and, and I you know and this is this is the one that drives my my poor wife crazy because this is the one when I do go out to dinner especially at a nice restaurant, I spend the first 5 minutes looking about why are the appetizers <laughs> price charm pricing right. and why are the entrees mm-hmm. and why do they and some because some of them why do they have the words spelled out on one of them and why is there a dash after this one, and, but there's and, no and, dash after, and there's a period on this one. <laughs> and why is it sometimes charm pr- or, or even pricing you know, a nice round <laughs> pricing on the regular menu? But when they hand you that page of specials, yeah. it's charm priced. I know. I've seen that too. See, and this is at the point where Christine says, can we, can we just have dinner? Like, can we just please? And <laughs> we just have dinner, but we are not having dinner now. So, 
Uh, yeah, this this was interesting because, as you as you point out, this was something I had not seen before before reading this article that uh, and and what he's talking about is a study that was done quite some time ago. And I had seen this right. The, the Cornell University where, you know, 20 with the dollar sign, no dollar sign with the, the numbers two zero and then the words written out. And the researchers said that they the semantic meaning of all of these is the same. Right. You'll notice but there, there's, there's no, no necessarily a difference. However, in in actual experimentation, what they they found is that the dollar fines do affect you because it's a reminder of what you're losing and not what you're getting. Because the dollar sign, and this is the takeaway, this is is a symbol of cost. Right. Right. Yeah. That sentence jumped out at me. The dollar sign is a symbol of cost. And man, you know, that's that's something that you and I have talked a little bit about. There's a difference between cost, price and value. Right. And that perhaps one of the ways that you do that is by driving home the fact that you are not a cost and get rid of that dollar sign. Yeah, it just it it just kind of drags you right into the loss aversion mindset. So you're you're you know reframes what you're losing, not what you're getting. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really really interesting. So no dollar signs, and I've I've read that in a lot of other different places too. So I, there's definitely something to that. I mean, I even remember reading a study on uh, menu engineering for restaurants, and they also talked about playing classical music in the background because you know people hear that and they'll spend more money because they think they're wealthier. <laughs> and, well, mine, you know, mine is actually pop 40. It's like if I hear Sinatra, I'm like, get another drink in here. You know? yeah. <laughs> so the last effect, Ed, and this one is kind of interesting too, why Starbucks prices end in 95, not 99? all right let's go (laughs) okay and and you know uh, um the the general consensus on this is 99 cent ending pricing signals low cost or low quality Quality, probably you expect to see that in walmart or ever wherever 95 cent tends to signal higher quality i think this is an incredibly relatively small narrow band of establishments but let's just accept it um, obviously, you know, pricing 95, you're losing four cents per transaction, which is 1.33% as he points out per, mm-hmm. per transaction, yeah. but it's made up. It's more than made up for the high quality branding that it gives Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Now I would argue, and I did argue in a professional pricing presentation that I gave once that either 95 or 99 cents is doesn't send a high si- a, a, as high a signal as say a price that ends evenly like $3 or even say 250 or 350 mm-hmm. and, and somebody from Walt Disney World was there one of the pricers and he's in charge of some of the like the merchandise pricing and the gift shops and merchandise shops and he tested it and he said, yeah, this works, actually. <laughs> it, and, it, and it sends a higher signal. And I don't know if they've still done it. But I did notice after that that, that Walt Disney World, at least, was offering more goods in their stores that were priced at, you know, ending in 50 or just an even price. And I've always thought that conveys a higher quality um, than ending in some type of charm price. But he kind of, you know, makes the point, and he does so in a longer article, that 99 cent pricing makes us spend more. 
Well, but is it 99% 99 cent pricing or is it is it charm meaning ends in a 99? Like it, what if it's $99? And look, and, and one word on this, which is I keep coming back to this and you and I have had this debate and I have tended always to agree with you because of the the explanation that hey, the reason why this came about was cash registers, etc. had to make change. There's really not a difference. But one word, Ron, Apple. I know. I know. <laughs> Apple uses charm pricing. I know. And, and a, I mean, a lot of companies do. I mean, I, and, and I know like Costco, remember we've talked about Costco and, and I know that they use 95, 97 and 99, but mm-hmm. I think there's also coding meaning 95 cent means you're probably not going to see this product again. 97 cents is something like the, this is a regularly stocked product and 99 might mean something else. I forget. And maybe I got the three screwed up, but it's something like that. And well, so at the total line, Ron, cause this, this happened uh, last week, I, there was, there was a sign and I should have taken a picture of it. And I, oh man, I'm now mad at myself. It, but, it, but they had, they had this thing. It was a, it was a, a special or whatever, where it was an additional, I guess I forget five or 10% off. You, if you bought six bottles or more you know that's kind of the traditional thing in right. wine stores right so if you buy half a case or a case you get you get 10 percent off right except wines that ended in 97 and when i asked about it and there was a sign about why this was is it's exactly that it's like the these were th- this was the last of a particular vintage so the not the 2016s of that vintage were it's the last three bottles that they have right right, right. so that doesn't count <laughs> towards yeah. your, your your sixth purchase so that and that's what they use i guess the cash registers or just so that the cashiers easily can explain it to you so I, it, it, and i've seen and i've read that before like uh, uh auto parts stores that you know carry tons of skus right they'll they'll use that 95 97 99 is different coding like this includes a warranty this doesn't you know that type of thing um so but well, I have to I have to tell we only have two minutes left, but I have to tell the greatest story about this, though, because this is my one of my favorite stories. And this is a guy who was doing CRM consulting back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. He's no longer in the business. He's since retired. But I, I don't know if you recall this, Ron, but he oh, yes, he, he, he would have all three of his proposed his choices. He would big into choices would end. It was like four thousand one hundred dollars and 17 cents. Yeah. Right? And then it was like. $8,205.17. And of course, the first question was, what's the 17, what's the 17 cents? cents? <laughs> and his response was, oh, that's just the date that I did the proposal. And if that's the problem, I can take that off. <laughs> right. Yeah, he paused. And, but if that's a problem, we can waive that. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I thought about this that this morning as I was, as I was going through this. But he, he wraps up. I really like the way he wrapped this up, Ed, because he said, you know, we, we have, we can have these summaries of human behavior and they explain a great deal, but they predict very little, mm-hmm. right? In, in other words, we can observe behavior in the aggregate, possibly explain it, but we cannot do the reverse. We can't use that explanation to predict how any single individual will act. No. And that's right. the great learning from Bill James too, is about baseball is like, look, I can look at a season in aggregate, but I can't tell you what this guy's going to do against this guy on this night. Right. I remember when I played in a threesome with my actuarial buddy and, and the other guy found out he was an actuary. His first question is, so how long am I going to live? 
can't, actuary can't tell you that, <laughs> but they can look at a pool and figure it out really close. <laughs> so, but this was an interesting article. We'll of course link to it in the show notes and uh, really enjoyed this discussion, Ed, but what's on store for next week? Next week, Ron, we are going to be talking about how to fire a customer. Oh, awesome. Well, I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can go back and look, listen to any show we've done for the last four years. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.